Hello and welcome to Speak Female, the podcast that is on a mission to empower, coach and educate women and allies around the world to become more confident, knowledgeable and to have the opportunity to listen to real subjects they can either relate to or learn something from. This season is all about female empowerment and leadership. So at the end of each interview, I will be reading out a quote that has been selected by my guest. I'm your host, Lucy Grimwade, professional development coach, senior IT manager, and of course, podcaster. You'll now find that in between the episodes, you'll have access to five minute coaching hosted by me. If you'd like to find out more about Speak Female and coaching, you can connect with me across all social media platforms or email me coaching at lucygrimwades.com. Enjoy the episode. Today I'm joined by Catherine Hallett, Director of Learning at Excel Communications, a learning and development consultancy that's small enough to care and big enough to deliver. She is an advocate for supporting everyone she talks to in whatever field they need it. Today Catherine joins me to talk about the evolution of holistic learning due to COVID-19 and how we can all get in on that action. Catherine, welcome to Speak Female. Good morning, Lucy. Thank you so much for having me. So welcome. I'm so happy that you're joining me today. I wanted to ask you, being a director of learning, how what have you seen really change since COVID-19 has hit? Um, it's a it's a good question because you know when the pandemic started over a year ago now, the world got turned upside down for many different reasons, and obviously it's it's horrendously sad how many people we've lost due to the disease, but also the way in which the business world has changed, I think is kind of changed forever. I think there's a lot of people who are kind of still burying their heads in the sand and thinking that business is going to go back back to normal, whatever that means at some point. And I think those are the people that need to kind of do a bit of a reality check and realise that this virtual hybrid way of working is always going to be a thing now because there's so many benefits to both employees and employers in the business world through working this way. There's obviously drawbacks to that as well. Obviously, we all know that. But when it comes to learning, the the shift in the way we learn has changed so much in the last year. And actually, not in a way that it not in a way that means channels of learning have um, sort of redeveloped. There's nothing new that's happening, but the scale of adoption of virtual learning has just increased exponentially. And um, it's really interesting, actually, because last night I was watching It's a Sin on Channel 4. I don't know if you've seen it. Love and, it. Um, <laughs> you kind of forget that we're living in the information age. You know, one of the characters was really struggling to find out any information about the AIDS epidemic that was happening at the time, to the extent where she got somebody to buy newspapers in New York and bring them over to the UK. And it was really interesting to kind of just see that situation unfold and see, just really compare that to the present day and see, you know, there's so much that's accessible learning-wise these days, you know, through the media, through the internet, through different channels that just never existed like that, that many years ago. So it's really interesting to see how that, how that evolution has changed. And I think the key difference through the pandemic has been that companies have really taken a step back and said, right, well, we can't do traditional sort of workplace learning the way we've always done it. But it's not, you know, the, there's a classic sort of 70, 20, 10 adoption rate with learning. And that kind of 70% of in the workplace learning versus the 20% um, sort of peer-to-peer learning and that 10% formal learning just can't take place in the same way anymore. So 
it's really interesting to see how companies are now really supporting their workforces to develop a more holistic learning style. So instead of saying, okay, you've got a presentation coming up, go on a two-day presentation skills course, come back and do it. There's a lot more companies who are supporting their learners to kind of generate their own self-led learning experience. Um, and I do think that's the kind of key here. And some people listening might think, well, that's you know not new. Lots of my company's been doing that for ages. Well, well done you that you're part of such a progressive company and probably a more progressive sector because many, many industries don't do that. Particularly if you look at the more um, sort of traditional industries, they're, they're always looking for sort of a quick way to get the results, almost to tick the box that they've done that support for their employees. Um, and it's really interesting to see how actually I think the, the kind of growth mindset around learning has really, really evolved in the last year or so. And it's great to see so many people sort of taking charge of their own learning journeys and helping themselves to gain the skills that they need so that they can sort of progress amongst their companies, you know, get into those leadership roles that they're looking for. Because, you know, this podcast is all about sort of female empowerment, female leadership. And if you don't have the skill to learn, you can't get into those roles if you don't have those that growth mindset that allows you to say, I can do anything, I just need to work out how, then you're never going to kind of progress up the ranks. So it's it's really interesting to see how that has been changed purely because people are not together in a workplace anymore. And that is on a global scale, not just on a sort of individual office scale. So I think that's quite a long answer to, to your question, Lucy. No, I think it's really interesting. And um I agree that some people who are listening being like, well, I've always had learning and development at my company. And they've, and, that, and again, like you say, that's great. I'm really pleased that you've had that opportunity. But a lot of organisations haven't invested in learning and development. You know, as a senior manager um, in my corporate job, I have a budget for uh, learning and development for my staff. Have I ever used it? Have I ever been allowed to use it? And to kind of probably not to shock you at all, but perhaps to shock some of the listeners. No, I haven't. And even though I've come up with ideas and wanting to kind of progress things forwards, it's been difficult for me to actually drive that forwards as well. And I wanted to really ask you around some of the differences of types of learning, because we've got LinkedIn learning, we've got that plural site where are just the videos that you can sit and watch, which I think are great. And I think it, it puts some accountability on individuals to go and, you know, go, oh, I can just sit for half an hour, an hour and watch a video. Great tick box. I, I, I've been doing the coaching with Full Circle, the coaching diploma, and it's been a kind of Zoom conversation where I've had the tiles of different people and I've been put into like the different rooms. I've got so much more from that and so much more learning from that than I have done when I've just sat and watched a video. Is that something that you've seen as well? Yeah, absolutely. So when we talk about learning, there's kind of three levels of learning. We talk about knowledge, we talk about skills and we talk about attitude. So that knowledge piece is Googling something on your phone when you haven't heard a, a phrase before, or you're watching a TV program and you want to know more. That skills piece is then doing something with that knowledge. So, you know, teaching someone else, talking to your partner about what you just learned. But that attitude piece is a lot harder to find. And that's kind of working at a much deeper level within yourself to really adopt whatever the thing is. So it's not just thinking, oh, I've got a presentation coming up, I know how to do it, and I can share with others how I'm going to do it. It's really believing in yourself that you can do it and you can succeed. So 
what I would say when it comes to types of learning is the ideal learning journey for anyone with any topic really kind of hits all three of those levels of learning so that you really do something with what you've learned because you know it's all well and good learning in an encyclopedia or something like that if you're doing <laughs> what's the point so um the, the idealized learning journey would incorporate lots of different elements of different things really that make sure that you not just know the stuff that you're learning but you also embed it and then you use it so you know, there's so many platforms on which you can learn these days. As you mentioned, LinkedIn Learning, there's Udemy. You can watch TikTok and find out like new recipes, all those kinds of things. But it's really about, again, creating that holistic learning journey for yourself that means that all those different levels are hit. So for example, if I wanted to learn about um, how to develop my mentoring skills, one of the ways to, in which to start that would be to sort of map out what are the different things that I want to achieve? What, why am I doing this? Really get that outcome thinking hat on and think, why, why do I want to achieve this? Is it to help others? Is it to help myself progress? Whatever it might be. And then sort of work out how you can piece together a learning journey that not only develops your mentoring skills, but also perhaps your networking skills. So you're you're communicating with peers who are doing the same thing so that you're learning from each other and embedding some of those skills but also then you need opportunities where you can practice you need um you need opportunities where you can implement the skills that you've learned and that can be using different platforms it can be sort of face to face it could last two weeks two months two years whatever you've got whatever kind of resources you've got available to you to develop those skills it's all about hitting those different levels as i say of knowledge skill and attitude to make sure that you can see a difference you know particularly working with the corporate world there is it always comes down to measurement. So when you're really setting those objectives for yourself, you make sure that you're doing them in a smart way. They need to be measurable so that you you yourself can see the sort of development in your growth. Um, and that's how you kind of look at the different types of learning. So when we're working with our clients, we're cre always creating learning journeys for our participants that incorporate live workshops, you know, lots of pre-work, pre-reading and le different learning media access videos, as you mentioned, all of these different snippets of knowledge that which really help build up a full picture. But it's much more down to those sort of live interactions with peer learning sets, one-to-one -one coaching and live workshops that really help embed and implement the skills and the attitude that you need to do something with the knowledge. So um, yeah, when it comes to types of learning, when you're mapping out your learning journey, think about your outcomes, think about knowledge, skills and attitude and how you're gonna hit each level of that and think about how you're gonna measure your own progress. And whether this is in an individual setting because you're creating something that you want to do for yourself or with a team corporate environment too, then I think those are the really key important things that you need to think about. I wonder if you could give us some tips really about kind of almost invoking or creating a little bit more of a mindset to want to learn. And I want to call it a growth mindset, but I think it's a little bit more than that. It's about finding that attitude to say, actually, I do need to go and learn. What could people who are listening now it's all well and good me saying this, but we all know that I'm a self-development queen. I do it. I do lots of different things. But for those who are listening, how can they develop that learning mindset? I think that's a really good question. And if you had a you know magic medicine that you could give everyone so that they would all just have it at the drop of a hat, um, you'd be a billionaire. But <laughs> I think it's something 
but it does you need a bit of sort of just hard work dedication but at the same time just curiosity you know I come from so my my background is in environmental science I then decided I did not want to sit in the lab for the rest of my life because I'm too much of a people person um and I think going from a in in that life where it was very much sitting down academia working things out for yourself you just develop a mindset where you think oh why why is that like that and it helps you kind of create those layers of curiosity that make you want to learn more and so for me that's how I started to develop my mindset and that then got transferred into the pharmaceutical world and then into sort of the learning world and I think for me, it's all about seeing that penny drop moment in other people. And I need that in myself as well to keep myself motivated. So I think it all comes down to really finding out what your key motivators are, what your key values are, where all those things align, what you want to achieve. You know, it might not, everyone asks what you're gonna, what do you wanna achieve in five years or 10 years? That's a really hard question to answer. What do you wanna achieve with that one thing with, you know what's the next step to achieving that one thing it's all about sort of one percent extra um so i think developing a learning mindset is all about yeah, being curious wanting to know more and if you don't naturally have that then just ask the question why if you if you have a difficult conversation with your manager and you are sat at home upset afterwards thinking like why do i feel like this why did that why did that conversation elicit this reaction it will start to just work in your mind to think okay if that's why how can i mitigate that what can i do next time to learn from this it's all about just kind of that little those little self-improvements over time that will really create that more holistic um picture of learning in your life and also having people in your life that are real advocates for you know, being hungry to learn. I think one of my uh, bigger inspirations in my life is actually my elder brother, which sounds really odd, but he's he's just, he just does not care when things go wrong in, in the nicest way possible. He's like, oh, great, I learned this. What can I do next? Like, wow. he's just, he's never one of those people that gets upset or put down. Obviously there are setbacks in life and the way he ha handles them is really quite admirable. And I think all of these different sort of elements and layers of people's mindsets all kind of contribute to where they think and the way they learn and, the, and therefore what they're going to achieve. Mm. If you listen to any of the great, uh, you know, TED Talks, podcasters, whoever you whoever you look up to, I think one of the things that they all have in common is how, you know, it comes back to not having a fear of failure so much, making sure that you're always learning from your experiences and then you're always kind of creating that growth for yourself. So again, I feel like I've babbled on a bit there. <laughs> Absolutely not. And, and what I've taken away from that is, again, is a bit of a mindset shift. So mm -hmm. to, to develop your growth mindset or learning mindset is actually being a bit more comfortable with failure, asking yourself the questions why, once you've figured out the why, then how can I improve? What do I need to do? Where can I go from here? Who do I need to help me? So it's really kind of doing that. I completely agree. And I think it, again, it links back to what your underlying motivators and values are. And if those if those different elements of your personality can come together, then, you know, you're going to set yourself up for success. And again, it's not always about these massive shifts in, oh, I don't have a growth mindset and I want to 
create one. It's what's that one little thing that I can do every day or one question I can ask myself when I'm feeling rubbish or when I'm feeling good to make myself recognize the, the changes that I want to make for the future. Mm. What about learning styles? Because I know that for me, how I learn is I learn by doing. But I know that just because that's how I work, I wondered if there's different, I know that there is, I wonder if you could talk more around different learning styles and how you can find what yours is. It's a really good question. And it's one that we as designers of learning journeys really have to take into account when we're creating um, life-changing experiences for our participants. So when it comes to different learning styles, there's sort of three main ones. So kinesthetic learners, audio, auditory learners, and visual learners. I personally thought I was most likely to be a visual learner because I am one who loves, oh God, if you look at my desk, I've got three pen pots, different colored notebooks for different things, about five different types of post-its. So for me, if I've gone through the act of like seeing my notes written down, that's how I remember it. However, I recently did a, uh, an updated neurology profile where it looks at how your brain works and how the different sides of your brain sort of interact together and it was really interesting to learn that I'm actually not I'm, a, I'm not a visual learner I'm a kinesthetic learner and it's the act of writing that is what kind of creates that like the the, the new, new neurological pathway in my brain so it makes me remember what the thing is um, and it was a really interesting discovery because someone who's worked in learning and development for sort of nearly 10 years now, it, I thought I was very, very aware of my learning style. So it was quite interesting to see. Um, so, what, but what I learned from doing that experience was actually, for me, each three of those elements were quite well balanced, which means that I actually thrive off a diversity of those experiences to help me learn best. So um, I know I mentioned my brother earlier, he is a classic auditory learner, like he'll never write any notes down. I sit there thinking, you're not going to remember this. Um, but if he's heard it, it, it stays in his brain. And so I think you just need to, there's so many tests, if you just do a quick Google, you can, you can typically find um, sort of online tools and things for you to help work out which you are. But I think regardless of whatever your learning style is a variety of different um inputs through different learning media is important and um, i think a lot of learning platforms or learning companies really fall down by really focusing on one so um you know i've worked with lots of corporate clients who work with learning partners who create a load of you know, podcast material, which is great to help develop the skills of the people that they're talking to. However, if they're just working with auditory, how are they really going to engage with those people who are not visual, who are not, um, who prefer different styles of learning? And the other thing that this all really comes down to as a learning provider, a learning partner, is creating a more holistic way of learning. So you're engaging all three of those things all the time. So it really helps create those experiences that mean that the learning is life changing. And it also comes down to a sort of diversity and inclusion in a way as well, because, um, you know, you can't create learning journeys for people or for yourself that aren't going to work depending on your different sort of abilities and things too. So um, for example, we, uh, as a, so Excel Communications, we often work with sort of live flip charts and things like that. And it's always, 
about creating those experiences that have other ways of learning too because there's been experiences where we've had you know blind participants or deaf participants and people that need sort of different learning support because of their different like sort of learning abilities so it's making sure that your um your learning journey that you're creating if you're working with corporates for example are accessible to all really i think that's the bottom line but if um you're a listener learning listening to this and you're creating your own learning journey for whatever it might be do just do a quick google do do a quick test or you might already know from past experiences which learning style appeals most to you and make sure you're getting a variety of those different learning styles into your learning journey just to help you because otherwise it can be a bit kind of monotonous and you might get a bit bored of what you're, what you're doing and you don't want to lose the passion for what you're trying to achieve so um yeah i think that's really important to make sure that you're kind of you're, you're getting that variety in your in your learning life yeah, when you were just talking now, I was thinking more about the, the courses and everything that I've been doing recently and what I feel I've thrived in and what I feel like I've just kind of almost survived through. <laughs> um, I get annoyed when I've purchased a course and slightly my fault because I should read more about it first um, <laughs> is when suddenly I've got a course and I did it recently with my diversity and the quality course that I've done. And it was just basically a few like it was slides and I was reading the slides and that was fine because I was interested in the subject, but in my head, I was thinking, oh, I'm a bit crossed by this because actually I would have liked to have listened or watched a video and then, yeah, and then just jotted a few notes down, which was great. But with the, the slides, I was copying and pasting some bits that I wanted to kind of keep or use in my corporate job as well as my business. So I think what I'm saying with this really is you may think that you're one thing a bit like what you were saying there like oh I'm a yeah. visual learner, visual I think you're right like go and experience other things as well and see how you best kind of take in the information because a bit like well opposite to your brother almost if someone sat and spoke to me for an hour about something and I couldn't write anything down or see anything and they just stood and spoke I probably would walk away with just learning one <laughs> sentence <laughs> And be yeah, like oh <laughs> I can't remember anything else that person said there I wondered if there was um something more about just in your journey of kind of learning and and the companies that you've worked with have you ever kind of come across any blockers to learning anyone kind of been quite resistant to that oh all the time honestly I could write a book about blockers to learning um the biggest one working so, so XR Communications creates holistic learning journeys for corporate partners who are trying to solve whatever the problem is. So we work primarily with soft skills. Um, so we're not um, focused on the sort of technical side of learning. And they are quite a, they're quite a big distinction because um, often when it comes to technical skills, you're learning how to do something or learning what the thing is. I used to work in clinical research and we had to go through all kinds of, because it's a regulated industry, you have to do all, all these different um, technical programs when you begin to make sure that you're not, you know, uh, bribing someone or <laughs> anything like that. And um, when it comes to technical learning, people are often very receptive to um, the content because there's nothing personal about it. It's just, this is the thing, this is what you need to know, done. And so that, that there's no real blockers there often, apart from 
um, people just being not very interested or um, just not really wanting to know the subject. But, you know, it, it tends to be sort of tick box skills often. Um, obviously, when it comes to real technical skills, you know, being a medic or an engineer or anything like that is quite different. But you often are so invested as that's your career choice. Um, so when it comes to technical development, it's a lot easier to get people on board. When it comes to soft skills development, you're working at very different levels. You're working, if you if you imagine sort of an iceberg, everything above the water that you can see is sort of behavior, skills, capabilities, and everything below that is more to do with your values, your identity, how you see yourself and how you kind of envisage this thing that someone's teaching you how to do in your, in your way of life. And so often if you're working with soft skills, depends on what level you're working with, but particularly within our leadership programs, you know, we're really working with people's identities and the way they see themselves. And there's often some contradictions there because you're telling people that they can do things, that they can unlock their potential, that they can be capable of much more than they believe they can. And that can kind of grind people up the wrong way sometimes because that's not what they've thought about themselves their whole lives. And it's so difficult sometimes to help people kind of gain their own level of confidence with whatever the skill is that they're looking to achieve so the main blocker that we get in in the learning world is all to do with attitude it's all to do with people but basically deciding whether or not they want to learn the thing that they're sort of working with um i'm currently in the middle of running a program with a um group of field medical um liaisons and they have been sort of we've been working with their managers to create this program that's all about the fundamentals of clinical communication which is a really really important aspect of their role and the blocker with this with this particular team is that they've all been in their roles for a really long time and they're really really expert at what they do and so therefore they don't see why their manager has created this program for them that they have to do because they think we've already got all the soft skills around this but actually you know some of the objectives of this program are kind of much more sort of deeper level under the surface it's it's more about getting the team to work together in a more holistic way to stop being working in silos which is saying like actually there's some really good people in the team and there's some other people who could appreciate some of their support so if you're all going through the same learning experience that peer learning that you're going to be creating as, a, as an output of this learning journey is actually the most important part it's not about teaching you how to do your job it's about cross-functional working is about having the attitude of I, I see my um, colleague struggling with this topic and I will step in to help them so yeah when it comes to blockers of learning it's all typically from my experience down to attitude and I think again that goes back to what we were talking about earlier in terms of that learning mindset that growth mindset is actually if you're ever in a learning situation or you're getting development support at work what a wonderful thing to be involved in if you kind of might disagree with why you're there sit back think to yourself okay why is that why do i think that do i need to have a conversation with my manager do i need to kind of explore this a bit more why do i have this reaction and actually if you go into every opportunity and think what can this opportunity give me what can i gain from this experience then you're much more more likely to yeah achieve something from it even if it's stuff you already know um and there's nothing wrong with doing extra soft skills development because i think everybody can always benefit from sort of expanding their horizons in that way and it's the area in which 
a lot of people don't get a lot of support. So if you are fortunate enough to get that support, make sure you're making the most of it is what I would say. Very much agree that soft skills is so important. Sometimes I think it's just is as important as those technical skills that you, you go off and learn. I wonder mm -hmm. if there was anything that you could almost give a bit of advice on in regards to say if there's like a line manager listening or somebody that kind of works as part of a team trying to get a team to do or partake I should say in some learning and development how could somebody kind of sell that to them to make it not sound so like I'm attacking you here you need to go <laughs> and have some personal development skills learning here what could a manager or somebody listening persuade I think that's a really good question. And it's one that whenever we're working with a learning journey, we always start with, say, who are the key stakeholders here? Who are the people that are going to be kind of communicating to the teams that they're going to be involved in this program, et cetera, et cetera. And it's all about buy-in. It all comes down to taking people with you. It's not leading from the front or pushing from the back. It's all about we are all working together to achieve X, Y, or Z. If you have a really clear company mission and, and um, sort of value set, I think that can really help. But at the same time, it's really important for managers and their teams to have a team identity and make sure that whatever the development solution that they're talking about really aligns with what the individuals in that team are looking to achieve. And it's really, really important that as a manager, you are making decisions on a on, on the basis that really does fulfill that mission. It's not just a tick the box exercise. Those are the solutions that always fall down. Um, and that's why we don't work with those. Um, it's all about creating actual differences in people that create those results that they're looking for as individuals, as a team, as an organization, and then as an industry. It's all about extrapolating from that role up to the bigger vision. And, um, you know, it's, it's all comes down to, I can't remember, is it Elon Musk or someone? You talk to the janitor in the company and say, what are you, what are you doing here? And they say, we're getting a man on Mars or whatever the thing is. It's all about connecting what you're doing in the day-to-day, -day, what your tasks are day-to-day -day with what your bigger vision is. And that's what creates that buy-in because you're all working towards the same thing. You're doing different roles, you're doing it in a different way, or you might be on the same learning journey, but doing a completely different thing. Um, you're, but you're all working towards that same thing. So if you're a manager, it's about having those conversations with your teams, making sure that you know them on a personal level and that you are working towards the same values and vision that they have um, so that you can create that buy-in from the beginning. And if you have that really strong buy-in, you, you won't have those adoption issues at all. Um, and so, yeah, if anybody needs any sort of help or tips with that, do just feel free to get in touch with me because I'm I've got a lot of experience working with managers and getting their teams to buy into the programs that they're looking to um, looking to work with. Yeah, that's brilliant. It's all about from what I got from that. It's about taking your teams on that journey as well. A bit like what you were saying, a janitor. Yeah, you you are. However, you're part of this bigger, wider picture, this bigger team. And I absolutely love that. And actually, I think I'll look up that quote and I'll add it to the podcast notes <laughs> so people can have a have a look at that. With the the learnings that Excel delivers mm -hmm. I wonder if there's anything that you've seen in regards to the level or ratio between men and women especially in those like higher higher end leadership kind of um, coaching and learning programs do you normally see that there's more men than there is women it's 
it's an interesting dynamic, actually. So um, I've grown up in a very female, strong, dominated family. You know, my mum was very, very senior in clinical research herself. Um, she was a VP when she retired and my, my grandmothers as well. You know, we've I've come from a very strong um, women dominated family. So I often think that I'm a little bit biased when I get asked questions like this, because I always see the female leaders and I think, yeah, go on you. Like, um, I kind of subconsciously, I kind of, yeah, give more credit to the women, I suppose, because I know that they've obviously had to, in a lot of situations, work a lot harder to get where they are than their male counterparts. And I'm not diminishing the sort of men who also work really hard at all but I'm just saying that for me I see so many women working so hard to get where they are and particularly working in learning and development it seems to be quite a female dominated industry I have to say most of my clients that I work with are female and actually I had I had a call with a pharmaceutical company a couple of weeks ago and um six men turned up and me and my colleagues two other women looked at each other and were like oh this is unusual you know it was a really nice change actually to have um a group of men on the call um so i think it really depends on the sectors with which you're working as to sort of the female male um ratio but and i have to say it's, it's a sorry sort of thing to acknowledge but in leadership roles it does tend to be much more male dominated um so we work with quite a few of the biggest media agencies in the world creating their future leaders and it's really really promising to see now how all of these companies are really working to make sure that the ratios of people that they're putting through these programs to be the future ceos of different organizations are much more diverse much more not just in terms of gender but in terms of ethnicity and sort of um their, their backgrounds and sort of the experiences that they and opportunities that they've had in their lives and it's really wonderful to see that i think working in sort of some of the more traditional sectors you don't see that as much but i do think that it's become much more high on the agenda particularly in the last couple of years with black lives matter and other things that have been really mainstream in the media particularly in the us i think a lot of that is kind of leading the way in terms of making sure that workplaces are much more diverse much more representative and also yeah more gender uh, more equal in terms of gender diversity too um in within learning and development as i say it does i just from my own experience i can only speak for my myself um i do tend to work with more women and i wonder why that is sometimes is that because the industry of learning is is often at a deeper level than some other sort of job roles um is it because women acknowledge that learning is the key to unlocking sort of future success there's there's always that um that old adage you know um woman is more likely to go for a role that she knows how to do whereas a man is more likely to apply for a role that he thinks he might be able to do and i think women in particular because of sort of the way in which history has uh, shaped our potential um recognize that more so than ever now and i do it's really really great to see sort of more women um sort of cl climbing up the career ladder particularly in pharmaceuticals i work in, a, in pharmaceuticals a lot and it does tend to be very female dominated in a lot of the sort of very senior roles which is wonderful but again, those boards are not representative of that, those leadership positions at all. Um, 
but you know if we have this conversation again in another five or ten years i'm sure it will be a very different picture and i'm really looking forward to what the future holds in that sense that's almost quite an exciting answer that you've given there and it's also surprising slightly because a lot of the conversations i have been having are still around females kind of not being empowered to step into leadership roles but actually from what you've just said there it sounds quite exciting that actually companies are going yes I have a future leader here yes she is female I want her to go and you know be maybe my my CEO one day and I think that's really really exciting and I feel very positive kind of hearing that and I hope the listeners as well kind of can take that away to be like yes you know what not every company is the same 100% I know that we're perhaps talking around particular industries here, but maybe these industries now are going to be be the leaders in showing change and growing change as well. Yeah, I completely agree. And, you know, the, 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 the sectors that are growing the most at the moment are the ones who are the most diverse and you cannot hide, hide away from that fact. So, you know, do, do a bit of research. You, you only have to look on Forbes this all the kind of 30 under 30 have come out recently and things haven't they it's really interesting to see how that has changed just in sort of my career uh, span as well so yeah it's a really exciting place to be and I think those industries that are really highly competitive and that are leading the way in terms of um, whatever they're creating so tech in particular media all of those kind of more uh, forward-thinking industries they're the ones that are really challenging the norm. They're challenging how, you know, corporates have always worked. And it's really, really interesting to see how even the biggest, more old school pharmaceutical companies in the world are changing their mentality from working in even just the little things like instead of working waterfall projects, they're now working in sort of sprint methodology and things like that. And if you're, you can change the way 30,000 employees work, why can't you, you know, empower your female employees to do better so that your workplace is more diverse and that you get better results. So it's really interesting to see how the different sectors are almost in different industries completely kind of competing against themselves um, in in terms of being the first people to do the best in in terms of gender inequality as well. Yeah and as you were just talking there I was thinking about how I've also seen change in my career obviously it's not gone as quickly as I as I go you know me I'm very kind of quick at doing stuff all the time but actually it's almost sometimes having something to having change that is kind of you know progressing and maybe at a slower speed means it's going to be more sustainable as well absolutely I think it's again when we were talking about buy-in these changes across companies teams industries the world all have to be about everybody really buying into what what they're trying to achieve Mm -hmm. and I think the media in some ways is more polarized than ever um, but in other ways is really helping with some of these issues so we'll see eh, over the next few years how things how things evolve. So for a, a bit of parting advice that I always like to ask my guests really what would you suggest or advise for anyone that's listening to the podcast today around their learning journey if they wanted to kind of come off this listening to this podcast today and they want to go and think right I'm gonna go and start my learning journey what's the first step so the first step would be to if you haven't already done this 
really look at what your values and motivators are. What do you want to achieve? And I'm again, I'm going to take it down a step from in the next five years, 10 years in your whole life to actually over the next few weeks, what are the things that you want to achieve and what are the, how does it link to your motivators and values? How's it going to help you get to whatever the thing is next that you want? And then take that kind of outcome and look at how you're going to achieve that. I do think that having mentoring conversations, joining networking events where you can meet like-minded people are always really key, good first steps to either a formal or an informal learning journey for whatever you're trying to achieve. And if you're fortunate enough to experience some coaching and training as well, that will always help accelerate your learning journey. Um, so if you can access things like that, support like that through <clears throat> through either your company or you know through your own networks as well. There's so many people who are offering, you know, really, really good services for really low financial investment. Make the most of those opportunities and just ask yourself after every opportunity, how can I make the most of this? What am I learning from this? Why am I doing this? And after every experience you have, positive or negative in your life, make sure you keep that open, curious mindset because that will always help you evolve whatever's next in your life and help you create that learning mindset for life. And actually the most important skill that anyone can ever learn is how to learn. And that's something that people really forget. And I think it's really important. Thank you. Thank you, Catherine, for joining me today on Speak Female. Thank you for having me, Lucy. And thank you to you, the listener, for tuning in today. Catherine and I have talked about learning journeys, changes in corporates with how women are now kind of following a more learning journey, as well as talking about how you can take the first steps to start your learning journey today. It would be great if you haven't done so already to subscribe to this podcast, share Speak Female across your networks and also leave a review. This helps spread the message and the more people we can reach, the better. Check out the podcast notes where you can find my email, contact details for Catherine and how you can sign up to the newsletter coaching hub. And in the words of Maya Angelou, I've learned that people will forget what you said People will forget what you did, but people will never forget how you made them feel. See you next time.